to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. Good morning. My name is Justin Shell, and uh, good to see some of you that I know, uh, maybe from previous visits. Um, I've, I've had the pleasure of coming and preaching a few times or, or leading worship, and it's always a joy to be here with, with you here at Sojourn. Those that I haven't met, I hope, hope I can meet you after, the, after our time this morning, but um, I'm thrilled to be able to preach to you from Luke 14 today. If you have your Bibles, um, please open up there. And what we're going to find there in Luke 14 is an invitation. It's going to be an invitation for you. And I kind of, I need to give you a warning because it's an invitation that's going to demand something of you. And if we're not careful, we can hear the invitation, we can hear the demands of it, and we can all of a sudden start to feel like maybe that's asking too much. Maybe this invitation is, um, is requiring too much. Maybe you're saying, hey, Justin, that's my first name, by the way. Hey, Justin, I'm, I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. I've got other stuff to do. I'm not sure it's worth it. You're going to hear an invitation that's going to ask a lot of you today. On the one hand, it may sound like too much. But on the other hand, if you really understand what's being offered in the, in the invitation, if we really hear what Jesus is offering to us, then the wisest among us will drop everything we are, everything we have, and we'll run after and take the invitation. We'll accept the invitation. It's been said that, that people who hear this invitation that are wise, they sell everything they have to have what the invitation is offering. To give up everything, to lose everything, to suffer anything, to have that invitation. What could be so wonderful? What could be so good that would, that would be worth losing everything for? Well, we'll see here in Luke 14, Jesus is going to give the invitation, but he's going to give it in the form of a parable. And if, if that's a new word for you, parable just means a, a short story that's teaching a point. Jesus is going to share a, a short story, and he's going to try to teach us something very important. So this is an invitation, and it's coming from Jesus to you. It's coming from Jesus to us. It's his invitation. And the chapter there, Luke 14, starts with Jesus showing up at a dinner party. So there's a dinner party. It's put on by a group of leaders known as the Pharisees. If you know anything about the Pharisees, you may know that they like rules. They like to know exactly what to do and in what order to do it and to have all of life organized because that's how you get right with God, according to the Pharisees. 
They'd make great neighbors, you know, they'd clean up after their dog, keep their lawn nice. They're not going to be too loud. They're going to follow the rules. And so what that lets them do, what that allows them to do is look around at the people around them and say, look how much better I'm doing. Look how much better I'm doing than that person. Look how much better my lawn, my lawn looks or my better behaved my kids are or, or how much better I obey and do the things I'm supposed to do. And so this is the group that there's a, a dinner party and Jesus shows up. And um, what's about to happen is Jesus is about to have a confrontation with one of these Pharisees. Because the Pharisees think that because of their good behavior, they can presume upon God. They're going to presume upon God, right? I've, I've done the best I can, so surely God's going to let me into the kingdom, right? I followed all the laws. I keep kosher. I eat the right things. I do the right things. So God has to let me into his kingdom, right? And Jesus is going to say, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not how you get right with God. So in verse 15, we see, we see Jesus, in a sense, responding to that presumption. And, and before we read that, think for a minute. Maybe you're not the person that's going to say, I've kept all the rules. I'm good enough to get into heaven. Maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe that's because you've really had some struggles in your life. And, and for you, the struggle is, will I ever be able to get into heaven? Will I ever be good enough for God? But then some of us, maybe we've been in the church for a while, been around the church for a while, particularly if, we're, if we grew up in the South and grew up in the church. Maybe for us, it's not, we know better than to say, oh yeah, I kept the rules so I can get in the, into heaven. Well, we know better than that because the Bible says that's not how you get right with God. But maybe internally we've started presuming on God. We've started maybe drifting away from God because we presume we already know, we, we, we've prayed the prayer or we, we know the faith and we, we, we believe the gospel. And so, so I'm good, I guess. And our presumption isn't that we're going to earn heaven our presumption is we're good. We know the gospel. So maybe we float or we drift or our hearts have started to grow cold. Well, let's look at verse 15. In the previous verses, Jesus is talking about being rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. One of the Pharisees hears this and that Pharisee assumes that being in the kingdom of heaven, being rewarded in the kingdom of heaven, that that applies to him. But Jesus, and so verse 15 says this, when one of those who reclined at the table with Jesus, when they heard these things, he said to them, he said to him, so when one of the Pharisees heard this, the Pharisee said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. He heard Jesus talking about the reward of heaven and, he's, and, and this Pharisee says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Pharisee there is making a true statement. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. The problem is that he assumes because of his good deeds that that will include him. Not so fast, says Jesus. Verse 16 starts with the word, but. 
when you presume upon God and tell him how things are, that can happen. He's, he's going to correct you graciously. You assume you'll be in the kingdom, but Jesus is going to tell us who's accepted by God. So look at verse 16. But Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many people. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. We meet here a man giving a great banquet. We can assume he's wealthy because he has servants and he's putting on a feast, right? He, uh, only a person of great wealth at this time could have, could have thrown a lavish banquet. But for now, that's all we know is that he's wealthy. That's all we know about this man. But what we also know is that the time for the party is now. There's a common practice in ancient Israel that um, when you were going to put on a party like this, months in advance, you'd go out, you'd send your servants out, they would announce it to the people who had been invited. It would sound something like this, in three months, roughly in three months, we're going to have a banquet, you're invited, will you come? I'm giving you the heads up now, because when it's ready, when everything's come together, I'm going to come back and tell you it's time, and you've got to come at that point, right? You've, you've gotten the, the invitation but I'm going to tell you when it's ready and you'll need to drop everything you're doing and come to the, come to the banquet. That was how these, these huge parties functioned. So the guests had already been invited. They'd already received the invitation. They'd all already agreed to come. So what the master here is doing is sending out the servant saying, tell them it's time. Tell them it's time to come to the party, to the banquet. They had agreed to come. Now the banquet, the celebration is ready. It's ready. So the servant sent out that second time. He's saying it's time. The time is now. And as we go through the parable, we're going to see this idea of time becoming more and more and more urgent. The time is shrinking. It's becoming more urgent. But for now, let's notice the response of the guests in verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. What do you think of these excuses? Let's try to enter into what these guests might be thinking. So the first one, he's bought a field. Now let me ask you, when would you pay for a field? Would you want to see it first? Or would you just buy it and then maybe go see it afterwards? Or let's say you actually are wealthy enough to just buy a field sight unseen. You don't really care. You're wealthy enough to, to just, just pay for it. What's that have to do with your inability to go to the banquet? How are those things connected? What this guest, friends, what he's really saying is, I don't want to come to your banquet. Do you see that? I've got something better to do. It's not important. Something I could do later. 
It's something I should have maybe already done, but I'm going to do it now because I don't want to come to your banquet. What about the second guest? Let's say you need to purchase five yoke of oxen. I think that's 10 oxen total. Um, anyone ever bought an oxen here? No? Well, let's, let's just try to use our imaginations here. When would you have them examined? Before you bought them or after you bought them? But this person has bought five yoke of oxen, and now instead of coming to your banquet, I'd rather go look at ten oxen. I don't want to come to your banquet. That's what this guest is saying. And the final guest, Lord bless him, he's, he's gotten married. Right now, can someone help me understand what getting married and the ability to come to a banquet have to do with each other? Do you think maybe he married a girl who doesn't like good food or, 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 or people? What's keeping this man and his new wife from coming to the banquet? What do you think? I think if we think about it, whether it's a field or oxen or this excuse of marriage, all three are saying, I don't want to come to your banquet. For them, the cares of the world, the distraction of responsibility, of hobbies, the pull of other things to which they want to give their hearts is too strong. It seems they would, they, they would go if they just had time. They would go if, 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 it would, if I just didn't have all these other really, really important things. But is that what's going on? And when we make deals with God like that, when we say, I'll get serious about my faith, when, maybe some of us younger ones, when I finish high school, um, maybe when I get married, maybe after I have kids, maybe I get, after I get that promotion, maybe when I retire, that's when I'll get serious about God. Maybe when things aren't so busy, maybe after I finish that third series on Netflix, maybe then I'll get serious about God. I've got a lot of important things to do. It seems like they're just waiting for the right time. That the, that the problem with the banquet is timing. But we know that's not true. We know that's not true. Think about it for a minute. What would make you say no to the invitation they've just received? Think about it. All of your favorite foods are going to be there. All of your favorite drinks are going to be there. The band, the orchestra, the performer that you've most wanted to see, they're performing. They're the entertainment. Everything you need is going to be provided. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime banquet. It's going to be the, the, the event that you will most enjoy if you're looking for a good time. What would make you say no? What's the only reason you'd say no to that invitation? You hate the host. Right? I don't want to go to his banquet. 
Oh, I love everything they're going to do there. I'd love to hear that band. I'd love to eat that food. I'd love to have those drinks. I'd love to be around that kind of a fun atmosphere. But I don't want to go to his banquet. We're starting to get to the heart of what's happening here. The, the people invited would have loved the party. It's everything they would want in a party, but they don't love the host. And that's what we're doing too, isn't it? When we stiff arm Jesus because of our fear of missing out, because his, his agenda conflicts with ours, his invitation is just asking a little too much. It's making me uncomfortable. So I put off following Jesus. I coast doing as, as little as I can in my walk with God, thinking that, well, I'll just maintain it. So we miss out on ongoing committed participation in what Jesus is doing in his church and in the world because we don't love Jesus. Well, the servant returns from this second round of invitations, delivers the bad news in verse 21. The servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said, go out quickly to the streets the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. The master is angry. If you study how these sorts of banquets would have worked in first century Israel, to, to go back on an invitation, to, to have said yes and then to go back on it for a, a reason like the ones given here would have been literally like a, a, one biblical scholar said, it would be like declaring war. It would be that big of a social slap in the face. So how does the master respond to these people? They've got a field to go look at. They've gotten married. They've got oxen to look at. How does he respond? He says, well, all of those people I've invited, um, it, look, it sounds like they were all fairly well off well-to-do, the blessed, those who have enough, those who likely have benefited from him financially at some point, they've rejected me. And as you read through the book of Luke, where we are here, if you read through the book of Luke, you, you see that Jesus will encounter people again and again and again who they reject his invitation. They don't want to be with Jesus. They can't bring themselves often to admit their brokenness. They think they're healthy, and that keeps them away. Or they have some other things that they say they want to take care of first. And it keeps them away. So we see this in Jesus' ministry. Now we see it in the master. And so how does the master respond? Well, much like what happens in the ministry of Jesus, who, who does accept Jesus' invitation in the Gospels? Who does come to Jesus? The whore, the thief, the leper, the lame, the poor, the shamed. Whereas the master of the, uh, of the ceremony here, the master of the banquet says, he calls them, go out and get the poor, the crippled, the blind, the, blind, the lame. The people who are well off who are coasting in, 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 their, in what they've got already. 
who are assuming they're okay with me. They've rejected me. Go out and get the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The big sinners come to Jesus. That's who comes to Jesus in the Gospels. In fact, he's derided earlier in in Luke chapter 8. What's he called there? Do you remember? He's called the friend of sinners. Isn't Isn't that a wonderful insult? Isn't it just amazing that the... That's the, that's the worst thing they could think to call Jesus. You friend of sinners. So here, servant of mine, go out, bring those that know they're helpless, bring them into my house. I want them with me. I want them to feast. Those who can't repay me, those who have never eaten, even pretended to have the good fortune of being invited to a banquet like this in their lives, those outcasts, those dirty ones, bring them in. Bring them in. The master wants them to come to his party. We're starting to understand this master's heart a little more, aren't we? At first, all we knew was he was wealthy and and probably powerful. And now we're starting to see what he's like, what his heart is. He could have dumped the food. He could have tried to resell it. But his heart is set on celebration. He's not trying to hoard his riches. He's trying to share them. He's eager to bless. It's driving him. So he says to his servant, go quickly. Friends, the time is getting shorter. His heart is bursting to give, but the time is running out. So go quickly. Verse 22, the servant said, sir, what you've commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges. And compel people to come in that my house might be filled. The servant says, I've brought in every helpless poor soul in the city. All of our needy people are here. But look at the heart of the master. I don't just want our needy people. Go outside the city, travel down the highways, go to foreign places, bring in people that aren't like us. And the church throughout history has seen in this parable, Jesus saying, yes, I love the Jews. I came as the Messiah of Israel, but I've always been the God of all peoples, of all nations. So this gospel, this good news, yes, it's for It's for Israel, but it's not just for Israel. Isaiah 49, 6 said, it's too small a thing for you, the Messiah, To be my servant, to bring back those of Israel I've kept, it's too small to do that. I will also make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may come to the ends of the earth. Yes, I'm glad. Can you imagine the master saying to the servant, I'm glad you've gotten all of our poor and needy people, but go further. Keep going. The invitation is going out further to more and more people. The master here is saying, there's still room. There's still room in my house. I want it to be filled. I want to save and bless and feed more. So he tells the servant, go out further. And not just to invite them, but what's the word there? Compel them to come. Bring them in, compel them. Time is short. My heart is full. There's room at my table. Compel them to come in. Imagine, imagine with me this servant. He knows the heart of his master. He goes out 
He goes out on the highways and the hedges. And what's he saying? Think about it. Imagine you, you've known this master. Maybe you grew up in his house. You've served him. You've watched how, how good and how kind and compassionate he is. So you're out in the highways and the hedges. What are you saying? What's this servant going to say? Couldn't you imagine him saying something like, friends, come, come with me. Come, come quickly. If you only knew my master, he, his heart is for you. He's so generous. Come with me. He's prepared a banquet for you. He wants you to be there. No, no, really. He really does. Maybe if you've been rejected by all the world, he wants you there. Don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't change your clothes. He'll he'll clothe you. Come, he'll walk you into the feast. He'll put a white robe on you and clothe you and bring you in and seat you down. And you'll get to feast with him. Oh, if you only knew how good my master was. If you only knew him, don't, don't delay. Come, come now. He's prepared a feast, all the best food to fill your emptiness, all the, all the best comforts to ease your sorrow, all of his riches given for you. All that he has, he wants to share with you. This is the heart of my master. That's the heart of Jesus. Just a few verses earlier, Jesus says this about the the city of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Oh, how I wanted to gather you, to protect you, to draw you near, but you were not willing. Are we willing? Are you willing? Have you found yourself, whether you're active in church or not, whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, have you found yourself seeking to be excused from the invitation of Jesus? And maybe you'd like to not reject Jesus fully, Maybe you'd like to say, oh, I like Jesus. I want to keep him around. But I'm really focusing on all these other things. I'm really quite busy. I've got other things to do. I don't know that anyone here is is thinking or is going to say, I've kept all the law. I'm good. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go right in. They're going to be glad that I'm there. None of us, I don't think in this group, are saying that. But how often every day do I, at some point, reject the invitation of being with Jesus in that moment or walking with Jesus through a certain circumstance, and instead I do it myself or I do what I want instead? Maybe you're busy. Maybe his invitation feels like a burden. Just one more thing to do. More work, more parenting, more religious activity, more hobbies, more shows to watch, more purchases, more things to do. But we've seen through those, haven't we? 
we know what those excuses really are. I don't want Jesus. I don't want Jesus enough. I don't want Jesus as much as I want these other things. I don't, I'm rejecting the invitation. But now, now that we've seen his heart, he desires his house to be filled. And we can never say, we can never say to Jesus that we care more about the lost than he does. We'll never outlove Jesus. Whatever we might accuse him of, we cannot accuse him of being cold, distant, or uncaring towards humanity. We know better now. And we'll never outlove Jesus. So whatever else we've got going on that we think will bring more joy, more hope, more life, more love, we'll never outlove Jesus. But that's the sin in us, isn't it? We'd rather look at oxen than be with Jesus. Here in verse 24, we'll see the parable coming to an end. But Jesus, um, he here isn't speaking. This isn't the master of the banquet speaking. This is actually Jesus speaking to the Pharisees surrounding him. We know that because every time the master in the parable says you to the servant, it's a, the singular form of you. So I was an English major in college, which means I had no plan to make money at all in my life at that point. Um, but in English, we have you, singular, y'all, plural, right? Here, every time the master speaks to the servant, it's the singular you, but in verse 24, you is plural. And so these are the words of Jesus to those listening to the parable. Verse 20, let's start at 23 though, just to wrap it up. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways, the hedges, compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. And I can imagine Jesus pausing for a minute, looking around at the, at the, the people standing there, and saying, verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of those men who were invited and rejected me will taste my banquet. They've rejected the invitation. They've rejected Jesus. That's what's happening. So how do you get excluded from the kingdom of God? It's not by sinning. Jesus is the friend of sinners. He knows how to deal with that, doesn't he? It's not because of shame, you, not because something that's happened to you or maybe something that, that you've done that's brought shame in your life. Well, Jesus knows how to deal with that too. He's got a white robe to cover you with. He, the, the Bible talks about him cleansing us of all shame. And we're called spotless, if you can believe that. Flawless. It's not by shame. How, how do you get excluded? It's not by being needy, broken, sorrowful, poor in spirit. Those things are all required, actually, aren't they? To know your need. You are excluded from the kingdom because you've rejected Jesus. 
You've chosen your works or your distractions, your ways, your identity, your desires over Jesus. Your plans instead of his. If some of you, I think if you could have the banquet without Jesus, that would sound perfect. If I could have all the blessings of God without any of the demand of having to be with him, I might take that. But if we knew the heart of the master, if you knew his heart, did you see it? You see what he's like? See how warm and how tender and kind he is towards us? If we only knew him, the time is short. The banquet is ready. Come to Jesus now. Let's all leave off our little distractions and come to Jesus now. Let's leave off our good works as, as things that we think are going to earn something for us. And let's come to Jesus instead. He's prepared a feast. All the best food to fill your emptiness. All the best comforts to ease your sorrow. A white robe to cover any shame. All of his riches given for you. All that he has, he wants to share with you. No more sin. No more shame. No, we've seen that we don't get right with God by trying to live a good life. We get right with God by coming to Jesus. And so today's parable, friends, today's parable is good news if you've ever thought you weren't good enough to come to Jesus. If you've ever thought you weren't good enough for God, he's got room for you. Jesus is a friend of sinners. If that's you, come to Jesus. The time is short. The banquet is ready and you're invited. You're invited. Perhaps you find yourself in this playing faith, playing with Christianity, um, whether that's you've gone head in and you've been really serious about your faith and you've been really active in service. And, but deep down, you might take the banquet even if Jesus wasn't there. Deep down, you might be a little bitter that God has asked so much of you and you've done so much for God and he hasn't given you all that you wanted yet. There's lots of ways we can play Christianity, isn't there? We're going to have to deal with the invitation, though. The time is short. If it would help you, you won't find a better invitation. If you've been playing Christianity, come to Jesus instead. The banquet's ready. His heart is for you. The time is short, but you're invited. You're invited. And maybe there is one or two of us here that maybe we wouldn't say it like the Pharisee. Maybe we wouldn't say, God's got to let me in. I've been so great. I've been so obedient. I've done everything he's asked me to do. Of course, I'm getting into heaven. Maybe we wouldn't say it that way. But maybe we'd say it this way, at least unspoken. If other Christians were a little more like me, maybe there wouldn't be so much trouble in the church. 
or if, if more people were a little bit more like me, then maybe the world wouldn't be such a big mess. I'm so glad I've got it all together. I wish these other people would get it together. If it helps, we all already know you're broken. You've not fooled anyone but yourself. Right? If, if that's you, you're the only one you fooled. So humble yourself and come to Jesus. The banquet's ready. The time is short, but you are invited. You are invited. Friends, this is the heart of the master of the banquet. This is the heart of Jesus. You are invited. Whatever condition or situation you find yourself in, whatever your history with the church has been, whatever your social status is, you're invited. The time is short. The banquet is ready. Let's pray.